Hey everybody, it's Adam from IHP here with Carlos for another one of our uh, monthly Kicking It With JC. Uh, today probably won't be a very long uh, uh, conversation, but I just wanted to kind of throw out a couple of concepts. One that's fairly, um, that we've been, been um, kind of hammering home for quite a while here, which is redefine the human will. It's just getting our clients to do more than what they're capable of doing, getting them a little bit uncomfortable or a lot uncomfortable and realizing that bad things aren't gonna happen to them. With that, we've been playing around with a new concept that you got from uh, uh, Dr. Joey Antonio from uh, ISSN. And I think you've been doing this already with some of your MMA guys, but it's psychomotor vigilance. Right. And I want you to kind of go into a little bit more about psychomotor vigilance and maybe how redefining the human will and psychomotor vigilance kind of live together. They need to be part of the same conversation. And the reason I bring this up is because every time I turn on social media, it's trainers with the newest exercise. What's new in training? What's new in training? Well, I'm here to tell you that three sets of 10 is not new in training anymore. What's new in training is how we as coaches really help our clients with this redefine the human will and how we coach them with this psychomotor vigilance. So I just want you to kind of take it from there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it and it's, it's all integrated. It's all integrated. For, the psychomotor vigilance is like functional training it was always there. Function, always there. What the body did, the four pillars, always there. Nothing is new under the sun. We're just now starting to recognize different elements of what it is that we're doing However, we're discovering each element at different times. So it's not like we discover elements at the perfect time so we can progress and put them all together into this little nice neat bundle. It doesn't happen that way. Sometimes you get the password first before you even get your account number. It's like, what, what, what am I gonna do with this password? I don't even know what, to, you know what account this is for. And then you get a company. And then you get uh, an ID number. And then you get the account that you're supposed to be in. And you're like, this came all at the wrong time, right? <laughs> well, that's the way you learn a lot of times. So let's start kind of, let's start with the end and then come back to the sure. beginning. So the end, psychomotor vigilance, what is that? It's easy, that's the ability to pay attention for a long period of time. And it's especially important um, when things are boring, when you're reading, when you're calculating, when you're driving when you're piloting, uh, when you're looking at a, a board with three dots that barely move, like you're an air traffic controller, right? And especially because it's very hard to stay vigilant when things are boring, there's no stimulation. Then you have to stimulate your stuff to stay vigilant. And that's a very difficult thing to do. So that's what that is, paying attention. Now, why is that important? Well, now we're finding out that a lot of athletes Lose before they get tired. Lose before they lose. Lose when we go, oh, this thing is over and they're still competing. And somebody who knows the sport says it's over. You're like, what did that person see? And what, they, what that person a lot of times sees is the shutting off of the psychomotor vigilance that occurs with body language. You can pick it up, body language, gestures, speed, uh, changes of rhythm and movement. So that is psychomotor vigilance. We, uh, we call it just basically paying attention. All right, so now, 
go now back to the beginning. We started um, personal training, and when I started personal training, I had everything decompartmentalized. I did SAQ training only for people that were in sports. I did bodybuilding only for people that did bodybuilding. I did judo training and, and isometric stuff for grappling only. Not understanding that moms use isometric training when they're gonna pick up their kids. Not understanding that an older person, in order to avoid uh, a slip and fall, would have to be an SA, would have to do something that you would teach in an SAQ camp. Sure. Some kind of shuffling, some kind of skipping, some kind of quick balance reaction. Okay, so it's, I said it, it's all the same thing, we're just calling it different things. Okay, so um, luckily I was never, when we started with the whole functional training, and Gary Gray said, no, it's all functional. Not that, it's not karate training, it's not this training, it's not uh, combat training, it's not football training. It's all functional, for function, for a specific thing. I'm going, all right, cool. So I said, well, if it's function, then we're gonna need a little bit of everything because sometimes you might require some more flexibility like you would do in a yoga class. If you're an artist, if you're a, a, a dancer that holds positions, you may need, you may need that. But you may not need that if you're a receiver and you gotta just be tight and wound up tight and quick. So I said, you know what? You gotta create a training system that allows for everything to exist underneath your programming because you're going to need things from different disciplines, all right? So we came up with this unloading stuff and these hybrid training circuits that we do where you do a leg press and you can get your hypertrophy for your legs and then you're doing all this functional stuff for the shoulders and for the chest and for the back, et cetera. And what we noticed was that in an hour, you you know, you got 38, 36, 40 sets done in an hour. Now out of those, maybe only 12 or 15 were bodybuilding sets, but the other 20 or 30 sets were medium, high intensity, low intensity, highly uh, proprioceptive, not so proprioceptive. You had different intensities and different levels of complexity uh, uh, messing with your mind or requiring mental work. And one of the things that our athletes were telling, especially new athletes would say, man, halfway, 20 minutes in, of doing big stuff, little stuff, medium stuff. Big stuff, little, like that, they would say, my body's not tired, but I'm exhausted. I could go to sleep right now. Now, this is before we ever knew about psychomotor vigilance, paying attention. That's right. So we said, hmm, I wonder why this is. And then you start reading Spark, reading Spark and Carla Hannaford's work with smart moves and all that stuff. And you go, okay, this movement, this movement and the brain and cognition, all right, are all interrelated. And movement helps cognition. Hmm, okay. Our professional people were saying, you know what, now I got now I have energy at five o'clock to come to the gym. Before I used to be like finished at the office and I was dead tired. So, I, so I'm, I'm like, you know, we always accredit it to fitness. But it's not fitness because you could be perfectly fit and your body could be all together one day at the, at the office and you've just had a hard day at the office and you want to go home and have a patrol and go to sleep because you're mentally exhausted and you can't do anything. All right, so we said, hmm. But these professionals were saying, I got more energy. So I was like, maybe more energy because of all this smart move stuff that we're doing, all crossing the main line. Oh, look at functional training, cross patterns, serape, all oh, very neuromuscular, proprioceptive stuff. Huh, that's what, that's what's, that's what's um, keeping the mind in shape. That's, that was my mentality. This heavy stuff, you know, the mind's got to scream, 
But with the other light stuff, the mind, the mind has to sing. And it has to have vibrato. And it has to go through chord programming. And it's got to sing sure. nice. If not, you can't stand on a single leg on an anterior reach and do it clean. All right. So I accredited the functional training, highly neuromuscular stuff, and all of this proprioceptive language that was going through the head. That's what I attributed to. I said, oh, shit, functional training makes you smarter. I started the kids move, kinesthetic intelligence development uh, system, intelligence uh, development system. Because we knew that movement could be used to, to enhance schoolwork. Let's not say increase IQ, but enhance schoolwork. And we know that it's been used to improve concentration in ADD kids. That's what, that's what Carla Hannaford did. All right. And that's what Brain Gym was for. So you see, all of this brain stuff was here in the 1990s. It was just here in a different context. But now, I'm looking at the fighters, psychomotor vigilance. We prepared uh, Gilbert against Tyrone Woodley uh, this year to be very, 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 very alert at all times. As a matter of fact, I would do the metabolics. I would get him tired and then teach him how to rest pain being hypervigilant. How to rest being hypervigilant. You could move around, stay away from the guy, but you're, you're hypervigilant, especially when you're getting within range. You have to be hypervigilant because this guy can end it in a split second. I mean, you blink and you're on the floor. You don't even see the punch. It's that fast. And Gilbert was just on him. He, I, you could hear him sizzle like a transmission line. When you, know, when you get through these transmission lines, you can just hear him go the static. You, I could hear that in Gilbert's mental acuity. He was, a, he was just on him. I'm going, okay, this can be trained. This can be trained, put somebody in a fatigue state, and then make them relive the activity, but at the activity intensity, which is something that I see never happen. It's never the activity intensity that's used. When you're running, Okay, and you're training, you're never training at the marathon pace. These guys never train at the marathon pace. And we do nothing but train at the marathon sure, pace, even right. shorter distance. Because I want you to learn marathon pace, marathon pace, marathon pace, marathon pace. And then I start pre-fatiguing the marathon pace, marathon pace, marathon pace. And you run the marathon in your PR. Bingo, that's done. It's been done. We already know that. So we started using this pre-fatigue to get somebody in a fatigue state which takes care of the metabolic training but also puts you in a very stressful situation of being physically tired all right now when you're physically tired a lot of times your brain turns off okay so a you have to be physically tired and teach people how to rest while being vigilant so think about you're tired, not tired from going, not sleeping for three days tired. I'm talking about tired. You hiked for 15 miles in the heat. You, you are dead. Your, your, your feet are blistering, bleeding. You're dead tired. But you can still drive to town. And I need you to be vigilant while you're driving your truck because you're going to be going through precipice and, and steep hills and all that. I need you to be vigilant. Don't be bullshitting around falling asleep on, behind the wheel. You can still do it. You can still do it because your brain is not tired. So hyper, um, the uh, psychomotor vigilance now is a phenomenon that we know exists and we're going to be doing a lot of research on. We know that, that uh, substances such as caffeine, taurine, and now we're studying a few more here, uh, can definitely help with that.
can definitely help with that. We know caffeine can help with that. For sure, yeah. And we know that um, drugs like, um, uh, uh, drugs that are um, for, for ADD, which one is the one that, that kids do? Oh, Adderall. Okay. Adderall. Yeah. Adderall. We know that things like Adderall work. I mean, they, they have never taken it, but they'd say that you are hyper vigilant. Right. You are and focused. you can process information out the wazoo. And you have to understand that athletes process a ton of information, data points. Yeah. I mean, an athlete will look at everything in front of the, that's in front of an opponent. Background, ropes, floor, referee. And he's moving and he's calculating how he's moving, how you're responding, everything, the depth perception, the speed to the right, the speed to the left, how you change direction, what's happening. They're aware of everything and all these are data points that come in and get processed by that computer we call the brain. And brother, you can understand that, that that's gonna use up a lot of energy. Yeah. So you can train that. You can train that and by the way, creatine, extremely important because creatine is used at a very, 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 very high level at the brain. Yeah. And that's why all you see all this new study of yeah. um, smart food or, and, and smart uh, supplements, uh, creatine coming to the forefront of that. That's funny that you said about Adderall, um, because that there are people that try to get, um, in particular sports, in baseball in particular, they'll try to get a medical exemption for Adderall because when you've got a 95 mile an hour fastball mm-hmm. coming at you, you want to be. It helps you get laser focused. So, but it's there's a squash on that. You know, you can't anybody. You have to show that you. Really yeah, but that's need crazy, it. man. Because <laughs> that's like at one point UFC had the same waivers for testosterone. And so you had guys like Vitor Belford and all these other guys doing testosterone because they qualified. Well, it, did, it didn't take a genius to see that, you know, Vitor with testosterone and Vitor without testosterone <laughs> is two different Vitors. Right. And I'm not picking on Vitor because any athletes like that. I mean, when you have a supplement in you, even coffee, man, why do you think people do coffee in the morning? Apart from the taste, the whole ritual, sure. it, it gets you up. It physically gets you up. Yep. So we know that coffee improves 1RM, improves memory. We know that it improves speed. We've already done the test, caffeine. So imagine some of these other stronger drugs. That's like insane. But bottom line is this thing here with with, uh, subtracting any supplement, training can help cognition. Training can help concentration, which in the sports world or in the bios, Biomotor skill world is called um, psychomotor vigilance. We know it can be trained. As soon as he said the words, I go, I know what it is. It does exist, and you can train it. He goes, how do you know? I go, Tyron Woodley and Gilbert. I said, I just trained a guy after working with this for three years. I trained a guy for a full camp using psychomotor vigilance, and it works. Period. What what do you think, um, or what would be some advice that you would have? I mean... It, would, it seems to me that if you are a new trainer, you're 24 years old, you don't have the necessarily the training experience or the worldly experience to try to work with somebody for helping them to redefine the human will or to get them into that psychomotor vigilance. It, does there, is there a certain level of experience that you have to have as a coach? Yes. I mean, look, life coaching is a new genre inside of personal training. And the Department of Labor has actually put it as a separate 
uh, almost as a separate category with its own numbers. And so they can pull numbers. And uh, they're making the same as personal trainers, maybe a little bit more. And the one thing that I noticed is the personal trainer is a young industry where life coaching is an older industry. Right. For the same reason that if you go to a psychiatrist or especially a psychologist or a therapist, and you're going for, let's say, marriage counseling, you would want to go to a person who's old, maybe has been married, divorced, remarried, or at least has had some experience to know what works, what doesn't work, and how I'm feeling. Because if you're 25, there's no way you're going to know how me at 55 with four kids or 60 with four kids, how I'm feeling. You'll, you'll have no clue. You haven't gone through enough. But that doesn't mean you can't help me. So for, the, for, for personal trainers, yes, older personal trainers, believe it or not, they have a, 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 an advantage because they have a wider uh, landscape uh, of, of, uh, of, of personal training clients. You can train the 55-year-old that needs to calm down, that exactly. needs to look at somebody who's 60, has a better body than them, for them to say, oh, okay, look, this guy's human. This, this girl likes to drink beer, right. and she eats, boom, and she's not shredded, you know, fitness shredded, but I would love to look like her. If I looked like her, I would be very happy, or if I looked like him, I would be very happy. And uh, you know what? He's preaching, but he's preaching from a, from a place of action. He is doing it. And he's not perfect, or she's not perfect, you know? But she, she does do it, I see her do it, so I can do it too. So you can take advice from that. But if you're young and you're 25, you, can, you don't have to be old to come up with wisdom. You can be 15 years old and, and, and point out True. that the sky is blue. Right. Facts are not, are, are not owned by, by age. Facts are facts. Wisdom, is when facts have been put to the test, failed and, and succeeded several times. So you know when, what facts are what, when, you know? Right, right, right. So, but, but a young person can, can learn a coaching style where you can calm somebody down. You can calm somebody down and you can point to where the human will is, how to develop it. It's simple way, things that you can do here in your workout to, to help you with that skill of increasing your human will, redefining your human will, doing more than you ever thought you could do at any level, and exercise and physical effort is a, is a great practice ground for it. It's a great you know, field of practice. And a 25-year-old can guide anybody through that and say, didn't that feel better? At 25, right, right. somebody's like, yeah, man, that felt better, that breathing. So, you know, you go to older people for certain things and you go to younger people for some, some things, but good coaching could be had at, at a young age. Right. Wisdom is very difficult to get at a young age. It just, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. Well, guys, that was it. I just wanted to chat with Carlos about um, redefining the human will and this uh, new concept that we're, I think we're going to hear a lot more about, especially as Carlos prepares Gilbert for his championship fight. Um, psychomotor vigilance. I think we're going to hear a lot more about that. Um, I just, again, just wanted to share a different idea of coaching because any, I, I think coaching three sets of 10, three sets of 15, coming up with some new exercises, quite frankly, in my opinion, that's getting old. Uh, where the training is going is, is through motivation and getting our clients to redefine the human will and understanding the psychomotor vigilance, especially at, at high level uh, athletics. So, have anything to add before we finish? Yeah, up? I mean, and, and and in terms of coaching and personal training, remember, nobody wakes up today and say, you know what, my life could really, really be better if I learned how to lunge, or you know what, I don't know how to work <laughs> out. My life sucks because I don't know how to work out. 
And if I knew how to work out, my life would be a lot better. That never happens. So people don't think people come to you to learn how to exercise. No, people come to you to lose weight. And they don't even come to lose weight. They come in search of a happier life because they're not happy about something in their life. And usually, okay, it's they're not happy about the way they look. But don't think for an instant not happy about the way you look stays at the physical. It does not. There's reasons why they don't look the way they want to look. Okay? That's why they're here for. You don't even know it. They don't know it. But why they're here is not because they're fat. And why they're here is not because they're happy. They're not happy because they're fat. No. They're coming here because they've got issues that allowed them to get fat in spite of the fact that they knew they were getting fat and they were not going to be happy when they were fat. That, that is why they're coming here. The only thing is they will never tell you that. Why? Because they don't know. They think they're coming here to learn how to exercise. No, they're not even coming here to lose weight. They're coming here to deal with the issues that allow them to get overweight to begin with. That is the coaching. That's what, Vern, uh, that's what uh, Vince Lombardi talked to his team about halfway into a game when they were losing at the halftime. He didn't talk about, hey, you're missing your tackle. Hey, you pulled to the right a little too early. He didn't talk about that. He, what did he talk to, to, to these guys about? Their life, their grandchildren, their children, their future, their legacy. Is this what you came here for? Are you given you know, that kind of introspective coaching? That's what made Vince Lombardi, Vince Lombardi, that's what made Gus D'Amato, Gus D'Amato. He didn't turn Tyson into a monster because he taught, taught him how to jab. Anybody could have learned how to jab. As a matter of fact, Gus D'Amato dies, Tyson becomes better, bigger, faster, stronger, and his life goes to shit. So I ask you, what did Gus D'Amato do for Tyson? Teach him how to become a boxer? No, he, was gonna, he became a better boxer after, after Gus, but his life went to shit. Why? Because what, was, what Gus was there for was not to teach him the left jab. That was coincidental. What Gus was there for was to teach him how to be a human being. And when you lose that, you lose everything. Mm -hmm. Got it? So coaches, personal trainers, when somebody comes in here to get stronger, to get a bigger chest, to drop weight, to get abs, all that, that's not what they're coming in for. They're coming in for to try to fix the things that allowed them to get into the position they're in now. Overweight, not having abs, uh, injured shoulder, uh, can't play this, I'm, I'm not making the team. They overlooked and they were complacent in many things that allowed them to get in that position. That, the correction of that is what they're here for. That, the coaching that you need to do and that anyone can do at any age. And that's where we end this one, Damn kicking right. it with JC. Uh, I'm Adam, here with Carlos Santana, and we'll see you guys in a month, another month or so, for our next episode of Kicking It With JC. Take care. Bye-bye.